What it do, baby? It's Tyreek Wynn, and here is another episode of NJP, Navigating Journalism Podcast. And hey, we have the very first guest on NJP. It's my brother, Carvis Jones, over here, who is a production assistant for Bally Sports South. And I mean, this man is doing it. I mean, two-time Emmy Award winner. I mean, and then he just recently got nominated for some more Emmys. I mean, this man is killing it within the industry, been in the industry for 16 years. That's amazing yeah thank you thank you for having me (laughs) oh yeah of course man well yeah we appreciate you so much for stopping by so let's talk about bally sports south man like what is what is it like being over there working because it's some elite people over at bally sports it's a lot of fun (laughs) being there 16 years and get a chance to work with people like trevor and over the years ryan jordan nick green who else i have to think of gordon beckham and people like Dominique Wilkins, Brian Oliver, and yeah. I got to give a shout out too to Jerome Geronovich. Miss him, it's always great to work with. And like I said, get a chance to get a front row seats of all the games, whether it's Truist Park or State Farm Arena. That's yeah. a blast. That's what's up, man. And so we actually in baseball season right now. So the Braves, you know, Braves are playing right now. You actually do, um, like, y'all do like a live Braves show or something like yes. that? Um, Braves live pregame and okay. postgame show that airs 30 minutes before. Every and not the every Braves game. So I'm one of the ones who edit the highlights, making sure Trevor Scales look good, who's our owner hosting. We have different analysts, but like I was saying earlier, if it's Nick Green, Gordon Belcom, or even Peter Morton, just giving us an analysis or the you know, and the preview of every you know, every game. That's what's up, man. That's that's good. So you're so as like a production assistant, like what are some of the things? Because I know you said you got to make sure the talent look good and stuff like that. But what are some other like specific things that you do uh, within that position? Normally, I edit highlights. Right. I do a little bit of research. Sometimes, if there are camera operators in the studio that needs assistance, I'm one of the camera operators sometimes too. So basically, I do a lot of production work behind the scenes and make sure that. Um, the highlights and stuff are usually 20 to 30 seconds. Just make sure it looks clean. Oh, girl, you definitely don't want no color bars, no black, no black videos in that spot. So I just try to make sure that all the videos that I edit looks good and professional. Most definitely. Yeah, that's what you want. You always want to make sure that stuff look good, stuff look nice and crisp. Because, uh, you know, especially like with a professional network like that, you want to make sure you're always putting out like good quality content. You know what I'm saying? So. Uh, so that's what's up, man. That, that's that's pretty cool. So you've been with them. You said you've been with them for 16 years, right? Yeah, 16 and a half years since November 2006. Wow. Okay. November 7th. Okay. So how'd you land that? So in 2006, I'm a member of the National Association of Black Journalists, and at the time I worked in Memphis Television. And I went to the National Association of Black Journalists Convention in Indianapolis, Indiana. Got a chance to know some people in the industry since that was my second NABJ convention, my first year prior in Atlanta, Georgia, of all places. So <laughs> they have a job fair every year at the convention. So one of my friends over the years, Michael Eads, he introduced me to some people that at the time there was Fox Sports Regional. And at the time, Michael Eads worked in Los Angeles as their Clippers pregame and postgame show host. So he introduced me to a recruiter, and the recruiter had told me that at the time, um, Fox Sports Southeast, that was, I guess, a second network was added because at the time, Turner South, they aired a couple of Atlanta Braves games when they didn't have Atlanta Braves baseball games being broadcast on TBS Superstation. So 
Hey, as a new nigga, we're trying to get more content and more teams. And another team, believe it or not, was the Memphis Grizzlies. So they needed someone who knew a little bit about Memphis Grizzlies basketball and asked me if I wanted to move to Atlanta. Told I was interested. And in October 2006, weeks after the convention, got a call from who soon to be my late supervisor, Guy Richard. So my guy, Keno, he asked me, if, you know, he asked me to come down for a job interview. Came down for an interview. Then got hired and came on. And the Fox Sports family at the time in November 2006, and been there since. Wow. Well, congratulations, man. That's huge. Wow. Like, and shout out to NABJ, too, because let me yeah. tell y'all something. For those of y'all who don't know about NABJ, National Association of Black Journalists, it is like NABJ got a special place in my heart. I know Not for too. a fact. Like, yeah, NABJ is like, NABJ is powerful, man. Yeah, the networking. <laughs> Just get a chance to know a little bit what's going on in the industry, especially at the convention. We have some of the movers and shakers in the industry that come to the convention. We've had some presidential candidates to come at the convention over the years. I can remember when then Senator Barack Obama made an appearance at the convention in Las Vegas in 2007. And a year later, he attended the Unity Convention to talk about his platform. And then after, I guess in 2019, before the pandemic, with the 2020 election, I believe Cora Booker was one of the speakers at the convention. I think Bernie Sanders was there too. So, mm-hmm. like I said, the movers and shakers and usually some of the top names in the broadcasting industry are at the convention too. Yeah, man, that that's awesome. And I was like, it's funny you mentioned because like I was listening to you talk about that. I was like, dang, like there was like there would have been no way I'd have been able to be part of that because I was seven years old when <laughs> back in 2007. So I wouldn't been able to like didn't even know I wanted to be a journalist back then. Like I was just. I was just being a kid. <laughs> yeah, man. But yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, that they be having these guests and stuff. And I'm looking forward to Birmingham. I know you're looking forward to Birmingham, too. We're going to be in Birmingham this year, y'all, in yes. August. So. I'm looking forward to it as well because this is the first time we've had the NABJ convention in the southeastern United States since 2005, I believe it or not. Dang. And the NABJ convention was in Atlanta in 2005. So we've wow. had regionals over the years, whether it was in Atlanta and Memphis. Little Rock, Arkansas, and Birmingham was one of the cities that hosted the convention. And I guess in 2019, when the convention was in Miami, that yeah. was like the closest one I think to the South. So okay, yeah, man, like yeah, we definitely looking forward to. It. That's crazy. It's been that long, though. Yeah, <laughs> I'm ready for the convention to come back to Atlanta. Oh yeah, that, oh you know it was funny. I was taking a look. I was um I was telling somebody about that. And I was actually looking. I was looking at the list like a couple um couple months ago and they had Atlanta on the list for like 26 or whatever I think they took it off or like switched yes. out with something else yes there was a lot of things that was going on behind the scenes yeah. and I think that after what happened what was it in 2019 with the passage of the voter suppression bill through the House of Representatives uh, Georgia you know, yeah. and developed them <laughs> and I think some NABJ officials kind of took he after what happened that. with Major League Baseball putting the All-Star game Makes sense. Down in 2021. Should I say 2020? So. Yeah. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, do you, um, so what are some other jobs that you've had within the industry? I know you've been Valley Sports South and stuff. Anything else you've done? Two weeks after I graduated from college in 2003, got my first part-time job. I started part-time at the local ABC station in Memphis while I was a studio technician. Okay. I was a camera operator, so I did three newscasters a night during the weekday. Uh, during the weekdays and on the weekends had two newscasts. So the station I worked for was the Duopoly, the ABC station and the UPN station. So had a 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and a 10 o'clock newscast. So 
there was a lot going on and just trying to learn a little bit about the business. And then two days after I got hired, I even did a studio wrestling show when I was doing drills. I was pulling the ca- you know, cable for the camera operators, making sure that everything needed to go where it needed to go. Because, you know, sometimes we in a live studio environment, we have wrestlers and stuff throwing each other out the ring and stuff. <laughs> Crazy things tend to happen. Oh, yeah, for and sure. Then, yeah. I was going to say seven months later, I ended up getting my first full-time job in my dream job, WMC-TV in Memphis, which is the NBC affiliate in Memphis. So in a lot of ways, it was just a dream come true because a year prior, I did my internship at the station, and I had so much fun working at that station. It's the station I always wanted to work for, and just to you know, get called, say that you've been hired, it was a dream come true, and I enjoyed every moment of it. Yeah, that gotta be a good feeling. Like when you when you get like when you apply for a job, you get that call saying you got that job. Like that gotta be a good feeling. Yes, <laughs> yes indeed. Because at the time I was twenty two years old, and I believe if I'm not mistaken, when I was hired, I was one of the youngest employees at the station. So that was a good feeling, you know, to be one of the youngest employees, and like I said, getting a chance to work with some of the people I grew up watching, and it's a lot of fun. Just to get a chance to learn from them, gain a little bit of knowledge about what it takes to be successful in the industry and how to stay in the industry. Hmm, okay, yeah, some good some good nuggets right there. So you so you were in Memphis, right? Now, what, what was the last time you've been to Memphis? I was in Memphis, believe it or not, uh, last month. Oh, okay, you was in Memphis last month. Okay, yeah, got you. Because I still have family members who yeah. live there, and I'm originally from Holly Springs, Mississippi. Yes, 30 minutes up the road from Memphis, and my hometown happens to be the birthplace of Ida B. Wells and the oldest historical black college in the state of Mississippi, my alma mater, Russ College. Okay, yeah, Russ College. Yeah, I've been seeing. They've actually been doing some pretty cool stuff with you. They, like, put you on, like, a building or something, what they do? They put a banner, believe it or not, a banner, <laughs> a picture of me holding my image statue on one of my second Emmy last year. So I've been a part of the Russ College family all my life, and... When I was probably five years old, I attended Russ College Daycare, graduated from the Russ College Daycare class in 1986, dated myself a little bit, and then turned back around and graduated from the institution 17 years later. So just to see my picture on the campus in one of the busiest intersections in my hometown was a good, good moment. And when I saw it for the first time, I nearly lost it. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's something that would, like, bring tears to your eyes. I mean, like, you, you go to this college, right? You doing, like, you just out here doing your thing. The next thing you know, you go back to visit. They got a big banner in you. Like, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> you would think about that when you go to the sporting venues, like when you see pictures of Trey Young or maybe uh, who uh, Austin Riley at Truist Park and some, yeah. you know, some of your superstars around the NBA, even LeBron James in Las Vegas, just to see that in front of y'all hometown and not too many people get the opportunity to have pictures of in themselves on the banner at a you know a school like my alma mater it's a good good moment because I remember a few years ago they had one of Ida B. Wells so just be one of the few people as long as I can remember to have that picture yeah that is cool yeah that is so cool man you give me ideas I gotta be in talks with Georgia State about giving me some type <laughs> of a banner a statue I don't know something <laughs> that's pretty cool man you talked you talked about the Emmys right so last year had to be such an amazing feeling such an amazing moment I actually interviewed Carvis on um, we have a AABJ um, Atlanta Association of Black Journalists interviewed him on our public affairs show about his Emmy, um, about his Emmy win and stuff like that. 
And I know that just had to be such an exciting moment for you. Like, what was it? So, of course, there's the Emmy nomination. And then there's actually the actual event winning the Emmy. So I want to talk about the nomination. Like, when you first found out that you were nominated, what was that feeling like? I was at a loss of words. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. And like I said, back in 2020, a whole lot was going on with the pandemic. They shut the nation down. And then in 2021... Everybody was excited at the beginning of the season where, you know, the Braves were going to get an all-star game. And then all of that, like I said earlier, that they, the Major League Baseball decided to move the game to Denver. And then that was a blow. But at the same time, just to see the Braves win the World Series and then win the Emmy Award on the life and legacy of Hank Aaron. Early, should I say, in 2021, you know, Hank Aaron lost his life. And like I said, it was just a very somber moment just to reflect on his life and legacy and the show I worked on, that was just our first Hank Evan weekend after his passing, just to talk, you know, remember his life and just for the fact that he did, he's done so much for Major League Baseball when he was alive on and off the field and tried to get more black into Major League Baseball and on the field and then in the front office. So just to reflect on his legacy, and like I said, with my name being called and stuff, it was a feel-good moment, especially with the Braves winning the World Series. And there were a lot of great, I say, a lot of great shows that were nominated, too, along with yeah. four of the shows. And so just for the fact when my, you know, my name was called, <laughs> I was surprised because that was the first <laughs> Emmy Awards, you know, since the pandemic. Because yeah. in 2020 and 2021, we had a virtual uh -huh. Emmy Award. So... Just to be there in person, just to receive the Emmy statue, and just to make an acceptance, acceptance speech, rather. Yeah. It was kind of cool feeling. And you That's were there, good. too. Yeah, yeah, man. It was a great event. That was actually, like, for me, that was my first time just being in the room. Like, I didn't know anything about getting nominated, how to submit, getting an Emmy. I didn't know nothing. I was just there. And it was crazy because when I was there, I was like just soaking up all the information, meeting all the people. I was going around asking questions. How did you do this? How you do that? And stuff. And so like this year, I was able to submit. They ain't nominate me. But hey, look, I ain't mad because I already know it's coming next year. So, you know. Yes. <laughs> and like you said, keep trying. And like I said, winning an Emmy Award and being nominated, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. So I've heard because I was, um, I was actually talking to, I was talking to a um, Randy Travis reporter at Fox Five. He was telling me he was like, yeah, he was telling me he was like, Terry, I done this like years and years and years, and I didn't get nominated. He was like, if you just keep trying, eventually you are gonna get nominated. So you, you just gotta keep going, man. That name sounds well. When you talk about Randy Travis, talking about Memphis, <laughs> he's another person who. Oh, really? Famous hey, Memphis Television. Hey, I remember watching Randy Travis <laughs> when I was real little. And man, that's funny. One, one of the reporters I always looked up to. Wow. And like you said, with Randy <laughs> Travis and just so many people like him and Brenda Wood and the lady Rita Moore. Those people helped me so much throughout my career and just supported me and just get, giving me words of encouragement. And there's just some great people in the industry who's going to help you. And then when you were talking about Randy Travis talking to you, I was just remembering the late Stan Sandroni. For those who don't know Stan Sandroni, he was the person who discovered today's show host, Hoda Coffee. So in 1999, when I was a high school senior, Holly Springs High School, he came to interview me for the student athlete of the week. And one of the things he told me, that if you're good at what you do, 
just keep being, you know, consistent, work on your rep, and if you're good at what you do, folks will find you, no matter how big, big or small the school is, if you're good at what you do, folks will find you. Wow, I love that, man. And, that, and that's kind of crazy, because, like, this is stuff, like, like I didn't know some of this stuff, but it's, like, it's crazy. We've been touched by the same people. It's a small world in television. It is. It, yeah, that's, that's a crazy thing. It's, like, everybody knows each other. Like, all the news directors know each other. Reporters know each other. Anchored, like, everybody knows something. Like, everybody, we all know each other. You know? Right. <laughs> yeah, man. So, that, that that's what's up, man. But, like, just to, like, what, so... You you get the you win the Emmy you holding the Emmy statue in your hand right I mean you know yes. you on the red carpet everybody's taking pictures and stuff like what was I guess what was that what was the first thought that came into your head when you was holding that statue It was a dream come true because I guess I've been in the industry twenty years now and winning the Emmy award wasn't the first thing on my mind when I first in the television <laughs> I just wanted to get my foot in the door learn much as I can about the chance to work with some of the people I grew up watching and holding that image that you just all the years of hard work finally paid off and just to win two Emmy Awards in three years. Wow. That's great, I, man. Just leaving my mark. And I just said to myself, just keep on doing what you're doing. Yeah, man. That's what's Turn it back. Oh, yeah, for sure. Run it back. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's crazy you say that because like it was like when you first entered in, you weren't thinking about it, Emmy. I'm the complete opposite. That was the one thing I said. As soon as I, I said when I entered into this industry, I said I'm getting me an Emmy. Like that was one of the first things I thought about. I was like, it's like because you know you can like you can do great work within journalism and stuff, and of course you can have your degree. But it's almost like when you get that Emmy, that's kind of almost like a second degree kind of yeah. like it's like like you like you official official certified. <laughs> to like winning the MJ title in television. Exactly. And I remember when I did my internship, the news director at the station I did my internship with, I never forget what she said in the memo one time to the employees since when I did my internship at WMC in Memphis. She always sent out weekly, you know, messages to the group, the people around the station. And she said one time, I never forget that when you win the Emmy, you grab the statue. <laughs> wow, yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah, that's some that's some really cool stuff there, man. Like uh yeah, man, you've definitely been definitely been living a dream with in the industry and stuff. Can you talk about so we talked about winning an Emmy, obviously that's a high have you like let's talk about a little bit some of the lows that you've experienced within the industry. Any obstacles that you faced? How did you overcome those? Wow, that's a great question because I just thank God that Last month, I celebrated my 20th year in the industry. And then oh, congrats. Thank you. Yeah. And just given the fact that I've seen a whole lot in the 20 years, and I guess in late 2008 when, you know, everything was going on in the country with the recession that was going on and stuff, and I started hearing people getting laid off. I just thank God that I haven't been laid off, but just to hear yeah. some of my colleagues around the country who lost jobs, Due to the recession and just you know changes in the industry, I haven't had that many lows. But sometimes I guess one of the things I guess I kind of early in my career that once you get more and more knowledge in the industry, staying on top of your game, you're always gonna have some naysayers. So had a few of those naysayers at the beginning of my career talking about me behind my back, and I didn't let 
it kind of hurted me, but at the same time, I just said to myself that if I'm going to continue to do this, I have to do it for those behind me because I do not want to make one mistake that's going to cost somebody like yourself the opportunity to work in those newsrooms one day. So I was trying to look at the big picture, so I kept my head on high and then look at what God has done. He allowed me to move to Atlanta, Georgia, and about a few months later, those same naysayers ended up losing their job. So, like I said, if you're a person of faith, put God first in everything you do. Your plans will always succeed. Amen. I love that, man. And I, I want to ask you. I want to ask you about that because that kind of made me think of another question, right? So I know with if you're going to be in this industry, you're going to be moving to yeah. different states, different cities, and stuff. I want to know that because, like, for me, I can say that, and you know, I'll be transparent. Moving is actually kind of. I'm going to say it's a fear, but it's kind of like, I don't know, it's a little uncomfortable to be moving. I'm a little frightened by it. Like, how did you, how did you get comfortable with, like, moving from Memphis to Atlanta? Atlanta was one of those cities that's always been under my radar yeah. and get a chance to learn about the history of the city because I love to read history books. And one of the things that kind of inspired me to move to Atlanta is the opportunity presented itself was, the city, you know, been the birthplace of the civil rights movement that's been the cradle of black America, whether it was Maynard Jackson building the, you know, building the midfield terminal at Hartsfield Jackson Airport just to see so many black professionals that's making a name for themselves in Atlanta and, you know, a lot of doctors, professional people, whether that's in high tech, you know, variety of diversity of jobs, whether even in the airline industry with Delta Airlines being based here. So just to see so many you know, professionals in one city kind of impressed me with the city. And then I knew a lot of family, I had a family member living in Atlanta at the time when I made the move, so they kind of helped me out a whole lot. So a lot of times I tell people if they want to move somewhere, learn the history of their community you're interested in moving to because the Nashville was also another city I wanted to move to once I graduated from college because the Tennessee Tanks were still new to the city. And then my one of my sisters, she lived there, and she was a student at Tennessee State University, too. So just do your research. And like I said, sometimes fear presents opportunities. And like I said, change presents opportunities for better work. So when the opportunity presents itself, take advantage of it because you never know that when you're going to get that opportunity again. So For sure, for sure. Yeah, that's some, that's some good advice right there. Don't be afraid. Yeah, you can't be afraid. Like, I, like that, that's some good advice you meant, you talked about because – I can say when I was like on the job hunt and stuff, I, me personally, I didn't really do any research on, I mean, I did like research on the city. I didn't really like look at any of the history like that. that that's, that's a good idea yes. though. Like you should look at the history. Yes, because in a lot of ways, I learned this from one of my mentors, Joe Birch. He grew up in the New York City area and he's been in the industry 45 years. And one of the things that impressed me about him that he knew so, you know, so much about the Memphis region because there's so much unique history around the Memphis area with the blues, the gospel music, and then, of course, with the civil rights history in the city. Some good, some not, you know, so good, but he knows a lot about the city and that would impress me. So I tell anybody that if you want to move to a city, just learn about the city and then, like I said, know about the company you possibly want to look, you know, want to work for because I think that's another push, especially if you go to the NABJ convention where you talk to recruiters and stuff, mm -hmm. they want to know, you know, what's going on, you know, currently with current events. Yeah. Whether it's news, that sports, sometimes maybe entertainment if you want to go there, but they want you to know what's, you know, what's 
definitely. Yeah, like when you and that and that's that was good too. Like when you step in these rooms, like the NABJ convention, and you step in in front of these recruiters, like you said, you gotta know your stuff. And that was actually because I did the <clears throat> I did the NABJ short course and um, in North Carolina A and T. We actually had current event quizzes like daily. They would be quizzing us on current events like. And if you didn't get a good grade, they would like make you watch the news, read the newspaper and stuff like they are basically saying, if you're going to be in this industry, you got to know what's going on. That's on, like, that's just period. Like if yes. you're going to be a journalist, know what's happening. Yeah, that's funny. It's crazy. I don't think I've seen one of those on a coffee table. It's been a while. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, but I do. I do remember seeing some of those magazines and stuff. Uh, yeah, that's you know, funny. My grandparents always had the TV on the news, and then had a, on the coffee table the today's edition of the Commercial Appeal. <laughs> so I was just fascinated just to see what was going on. Yeah, man. Do you still read newspapers? Yes. You still read newspapers? Every day, the Journal Constitution. Sometimes. I read the commercial appeal, USA mm. Today, of course, ESPN.com, since you know, I work in sports. Yeah. So I just have to keep on with the latest that's going on in mm -hmm. sports. And then when I go into work every day, I always have to go to baseballreference.com just to see what's going on. And so, yeah. you know, stat-wise, for players, mm -hmm. they're trending up or trending down. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and another thing about sports, right? So sports is like – you have to be knowledgeable about sports and stuff. So I want to know, be it like for those who want to go into sports, right? Like, what's a good way? Like, let's say if I want to go into sports, I, like me, I'm I suck at stats. Like, I can talk about sports. Like, I like if you ask me some questions about like if we had a Falcons game, I'm talking about the Falcons. Like, I could do that, but I suck at stats. Like, I can't memorize stats. I don't know what such and such how many passes they had last year. Like, I don't know. Like, what's a good strategy for stats? I, I'm a basketball person, mm -hmm. a baseball person, so go to basketballreference.com, baseball reference, and they give you the, all the stats. That's a great tool. And then if you go to ESPN.com, when you look at the players' profile, you can go through their game logs and see what uh, their career numbers look like even for the last five games. So. I think that people should look at that and then also just learn the history of the game. Even though I'm old school I'm talking about this, I would like to look at the encyclopedia, the World Book <laughs> Encyclopedia, even your reference book with this World Omnia Books of Fast or even I think ESPN still, I don't know if they still make them or not, but they used to have a sports almanac every year or so. Mm -hmm. And then another great research tool I tell college students who want to you know, pursue a career in the industry, get an AP style book because that would help you out a whole lot yeah yeah getting that i remember because uh that was one of the requirements for our college like first college journalism class to get an ap style book because that that let me tell you that style book is like a savior yo like that thing has really helped me tremendously write articles just write writing journalism period yo like yes. yeah ap style book for sure and then, don't forget about the dictionary too because i yeah. know with these new words that's coming out and stuff there's dictionaries that can be your best friend. Yeah, most yeah that yeah most definitely because I I can tell and it's crazy like being in two thing two things that's my best friend well a couple of things the AP style book the dictionary and then also Google because sometimes it like I'm in TV and radio so I if I see a name I don't know I have to go on Google be like this word pronunciation so they can yes. pronounce it to me because yeah pronunciation is a 
So mess you up <laughs> for sure, man. That that that's good, man. So um, I want to talk a little bit about this. So we got we got NABJ coming up. NABJ convention is going to be in Birmingham this year, first week of August. A lot of people are excited about it. I mean, hotels is overflowing. Like this convention is going to be big, right? Yeah. So for those maybe people, we got some first time convention goers out there. How do you navigate the NABJ convention? What 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 is it like? What like when people get there for the first time, if this is their first convention, what are they gonna see? What are they gonna experience? Wow, that's so much I can <laughs> say. I think for some of the first time people, they may be starstruck and maybe seeing some of the owner of people that they see on TV, on locally and even nationally. And then get a chance to talk to people and network with people with the receptions and all the food. You have to get there early if you want to get the food because a lot of times <laughs> we have a lot of food and receptions. Food, they will be gone quick. And like I said, get a chance to see people network and mingling in workshops going on every day. And then, of course, you know, the sports task force party. That's one of the highlights of the convention is the year. And like I said, get a chance to to know people on a, I guess, first name basis and just find out what's going on in the industry, just listen to some of the, you know, executives from all the networks about their strategies moving forward and just, you know, the hard, the courses and stuff about what they expect and then give you news writing. Okay. So you got a variety of stuff. All right, awesome. Yeah, and you talk about, like, the celebrities, you know, that be coming out, it'd be crazy. Like, we had... um. It was Diddy, right? That performed. What was it? Diddy? Or who was it that performed? I can't remember. I know. I know. Um, I'm having a great. Really I know. <laughs> I remember. I think. I think he performed at the at the task force party. Yes. I think. Yeah, on stage. Yeah. It was. Vegas, yeah, in Vegas. Yo, let me tell y'all something. Yo, we was lit in Vegas. We had a blast. Yes. <laughs> yeah, we had a blast in Vegas. I remember him. We had Sonya from the Housewives of Atlanta. And then, then we have John Legend, too. Didn't he yes, come he through? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was. Because one, um, one of my former bosses told me that she had to leave the, had to leave the job for so she could get in the So yeah, the celebrity is gonna be us. I'm excited yeah. to see who we are gonna have this year, man. And it's just, it's just gonna be exciting. And we gonna get there. We gonna have a good time. And uh, hey, you know, we just gonna enjoy each other's company. That's right. Yeah. And the book fairs too. You got a lot of people who just coming out with books, mm -hmm. and that's a lot of fun. I know last year that one of my good friends and mentors, uh, Mark Spears, who works for Enscape, and then Gabriel Washburn, they um, co-authored the book with. Um, former NBA player who played with the Seattle Super Sunners. I can't think of his name right now, but they had an autograph session and he attended the uh, Spencer Haywood. That's his name, Spencer Haywood. Okay, yeah, cool, man. NBA legend. Uh, yeah, and then I, and then a couple more things. But you, you talk, we talked about mentors, right? Yes. How do you go about getting a mentor? What is, what is that process like? I think in, introducing yourself to people and then, like I said, yes, one of the things I learned over the years too, and I think that Thanks to internships help me out with this. There's been a chance to know my mentor, Joe Birch. And just, you know, just talk to him, talk to people, and just get a chance to know them more and more. So building that relationship takes time. Yeah. It takes time. So it's not a, you know, fast process. So once you start building your resume and your portfolio, you probably want folks to, you know, 
look at your work and give you feedback. And like I said, don't be afraid to ask questions and stuff because I say that interns all the time. There's no questions, no dumb questions. So get a chance to build those relationships and just learn you know, what it takes to be successful in the industry. And I know there's going to be, like you said earlier, there's going to be some higher, you know, some higher ups and you're going to be down sometimes. And a few weeks ago when I went to a conference here in Atlanta, Maria Taylor said, don't be afraid to make mistakes because I think a lot of times too that, you know, coming to the industry, people want to be, you know, like perfect with they see on TV, but yeah. you want to make mistakes. And so, like I said earlier, just, Keep being consistent and build those relationships. Everything will come. No doubt about it, man. Yeah, it's all about building, growing, making connections, getting those, developing those relationships, man. Especially in an industry like ours. I mean, we we have to be people, like people people. You yes. know what I'm saying? So, I mean, we always talking, socializing, building, connecting, growing. And that's literally what, that's literally what it's all about. Now, this is NJP, Navigating Journalism Podcast. If there was one thing that you could change about the industry as a whole, um, what would it be? Wow. I think I would like, I would love to see more diversity in the industry. Hmm. I definitely love to see diversity in the industry because it's concerning now, especially as this country becomes much more diverse, that those people who making those decisions, making the decisions and stuff, probably don't reflect the, some of the communities that they serve. So I think if we had more representation in the industry, especially in the communities that we serve, I think I would love to change that, especially in the changing landscape. Okay. So let me ask you this. So, because, you know, the goal of NJP, of course, is not just to, it's actually the goal, like a, one of the goals for NJP is to actually kind of put influence on the industry, help change a couple of things. So what do you think, that we could do, or maybe something you could do to get to that point where we have a lot of diversity within the industry where it needs to be. I think more training, and then develop a pipeline for college students and those who like to pursue a career in the industry and just, and just give them opportunities, because I think a lot of times too, just having access is very limited, especially with people like from, depending on what background you're from, it just seems like, you know, affluent people get those opportunities. But when I was doing my internship, thankfully I was able to work, but you know, and get from point A to point B because with some of those internships, it may take some people an hour to get to their place where they need to do those internships. So I just think accessibility is important too and just build those pipelines and making sure that people stay in the industry because a lot of times people who just graduate from college may be first generation of college students, may not have the you know, disposable income to get from point A to point B, and that's why I think so many people leave the industry because, you know, sometimes the pay could be low at the beginning of your career. And I just think that pay probably is another issue I would like to change too, that once you graduate from college, I think that especially with the cost of living going up and, uh, you know, cost of living in some of these cities and stuff, you know, again, higher, but at the same time, the pay don't reflect the, you know, increasing numbers, so I would like to change that too. Yeah, that, that, that's fantastic that you said that, because I was actually talking to somebody about that the other day, and it's like, the jobs, they're amazing, we want to go to these television stations, but the cost of living is like ridiculous, and then the bills, the monthly bills that we're going to have is not going to be adding up 
to the salary. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. like you're not. It's like you're not making enough, and it's like, why aren't? Is it like are the stations not? catching up or are they like is it low on are they just low on funding and they can't pay like you know like i want to know what the problem is like what's the issue and i think <laughs> over the years too that as more uh companies and stuff are you know buying up stations i think yeah. you know the industry has transformed a whole lot in the last 20 years since i've been in it as we've seen more and more stations get bought out by these media and glamorous and mm-hmm. like you said at the same time I think some stations look at the bottom line. Yeah, yeah. Quantity versus quality. Yeah, of course. And you know, one of the people who be buying up stuff is Byron Allen. That man is yeah. killing it. Yo, shout out to you, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he yeah, he's definitely been buying up some stuff, man. It'd be yeah, it'd be great. Like that he's an inspiration for me. Just to see him, watch how he move and stuff, you know, buying stuff, stations and stuff. Yeah, the brother yeah. channel one of them and then with the possibility of maybe even uh, getting BET. I heard about that. Yeah, yeah. Him and a couple other people named about getting BET. It would be nice if they cut me in on that deal. Yes, like I said, <laughs> that's why I think diversity is so important to have, you know, diversity on the show. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, hey, listen, I appreciate you so much for coming on the podcast, man. And of course, hey, listen, if you know some other great journalists in the industry that want to come on the podcast, hey, let them know. Send them my way. We'd love to have him, man. Any any closing remarks you want to leave? Don't be afraid to fail. I'm and if you're a person of faith, put God first in everything you do. Your plans will always succeed. Amen to that. And go ahead, everybody, give everybody your social media, too. Hey, my social media is at Carvis Jones. That's K-A-R-V-I-S Jones. That's on Facebook. That's on Instagram. And that's on Twitter. So I'm Carvis Jones on social media platforms. I'm not on TikTok yet. <laughs> We're going to get you on TikTok, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you can also contact me on LinkedIn. All right, man. That's what's up, man. Like I said, appreciate you so much for stopping by. Y'all appreciate y'all so much for tuning in. It's another episode of NJP, Navigating Journalism Podcast. We're going to catch y'all next week. But before we go, of course, you know, make sure y'all go and support the merch. The merch is out. Got this NJP shirt on right now. And then, of course, we got some other NJP merch as well. You can go to the link in my bio, my fourth wall account link in my Instagram bio, Media. You can go check out all of the merch. And then, of course, we got some other things within the collection, like the Tyreek Wynn collection, the I Am A Winner shirts. Uh, we got bucket hats, shirts, joggers. I mean, you name it, we got it. So, listen, go to go support the merch. Have a field day on the website. Go support your boy. Um, then, of course, post tag me and the stuff and of course i'll reshare it and all that stuff but yeah i appreciate y'all so much for support and of course you can catch me monday tuesday wednesday on your iheart radio platforms um and check me out you can catch me on the air i'm on the air from believe it's like 10 to 6 ish or whatever so you can catch me out on the air there and of course next week we're gonna have another episode of njp and another fantastic guest appreciate y'all so much tuning in